going to be speaking about joy. The Lord has been um, just kind of showing me some things, and um, I've just been praying and asking God, you know, like, what what do you want to speak to your people? You know, what do you want? You know, God takes us through seasons in our life where he teaches us things, and He, the word says that he brings us from glory to glory. And so I believe that, is everyone in here filled with the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand if you are. Okay. When we have the Spirit in our life, there's, certain, there's a certain change that happens in us when we, when we are baptized in the Spirit, when we get saved, and, and the Spirit is, you know, it comes and dwells in our heart. And Galatians 5.22, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And obviously, I want to focus tonight just on the fruit of joy. A lot of times joy is, it's really almost a misunderstood fruit. Because, you know, we think of joy and we automatically think of happiness. Now, here's a reality. Okay, we're Christians, okay, so we really should be generally happy people, okay? If anything, we need to be, you know, you can see, you know, there's some people that just walks around and every time you see them, they're like, "Mm." You know, they're grumpy or they're always complaining or, you know, they're like really critical of people, you know, and and they're believers, you know, they're Christians. But sometimes the fruit of their life is like not really producing what you would think. I mean, the only thing sometimes (laughs) that separates some Christians from the world is the fact that they go to church on Sunday and some of them don't even do that, you know. I mean, some people choose not to. Um but we want to be a people that have something to offer. You know, if we can't, the world gets beat down enough on its own. It beats itself up. And us as believers, the world beats us up. So why would we want to be critical of each other? You know what I mean? Be grumpy, be complainers, gripers, you know, because all we're doing is we're being just like the world. You know, there's nothing that really separates us. That is the absolute one thing above all, that we can actually hold on to in our lives. Not every Christian is going to be wealthy. Not every Christian is going to be prosperous. Not every Christian is going to be smart. You know, it's just, it is what it is. You're going to find that in the world. But there's something, there's one thing, or there's more than one thing, but one of the things that defines us and separates us is the fact that when we, when we receive Jesus Christ, there is this, it's, a joy there's this fruit that is implanted in us and it's it's something it's a constant in our life that we should hold on to every day it's something that we should we should just absolutely keep in our life and keep at the center of our life we should not if we're christians we have no reason to be depressed there's no really no reason and and i know some of you probably agree but i mean disagree but let's just talk about that a little bit let's just talk about the difference of happiness and joy, okay? Here's what happiness is. Well, not necessarily what it is, but happiness depends on, like, what happens to you. If I walk up to Stephen and punch him in the face with all of my might, he's not going to be very happy. 
It doesn't mean he's not saved or, you know, not a joyful person. But at that moment, he's not going to be very happy. Do you agree? Okay. So things happen in our life, and that was a little extreme, but things happen in our life where in the moment, you know, our life is, you know, punched with, with something that we're not necessarily happy about. Okay, well, the difference in happy and being happy, happiness and joy is joy is this, well, I wrote this, that joy is the evidence of the presence of God in your life. It's the evidence of the presence of God in your life. It, it's something that comes from the inside. When we're walking in the Spirit and we're connected with the Spirit, joy is something that it just shows. Even, even I have a friend, and she's a pastor's wife. Um, she was married about 10 years ago, and she married just the love of her life. They were high school sweethearts, and they got married and just were in love, and they were on their way to this great ministry, and they had heart for missions, and they'd spent time in other countries. And he tragically died in a car accident, a very, very horrific car accident. And his life was just ended suddenly. And, and, for, and to look at her and to hear her story, it just, sometimes it just, it, she amazes me because she's such a happy person. I mean, she is a, a joyful person. She's a very, very joyful, smiley. She's one of those people that you like to be around. You know, some people... Sometimes you just don't like being around certain people. If someone is always complaining and, like, everything's wrong with them all the time and they're never happy, do you want to be around that person? I mean, be honest. No, not really. I don't anyway. I mean, maybe you like being around people that aren't happy, but I don't really like being around people that are not happy. And I can say all this because I'm talking about myself. I'm, I, I have the personality, my natural personality is one of those people that like on Friday, I may be the happiest person in the world. And like Saturday morning, I'm like, woe is me. You know, I'm like depressed. Not, this is not me now, but this is my nature. My natural personality, I'm kind of a, an introvert. And I know that's probably hard to believe, but it's true. Um, and I'm just, I'm self-reflective. And, and so naturally I I mean, I tend to want to get depressed. It just is what it is. And there's a lot of people that have that personality. There's a lot of people that kind of have a natural, it's just their character. It's part of who they are. And so I can say all this stuff and and know that even if it is your personality, you can't overcome it. Even if it is something that you just were born with, it's something that you can overcome. You can have this constant joy that I'm talking about. And so another thing when I, when I wrote down about joy, um, joy is when bad things happen to you that you can still rest and you can still be confident in knowing that God is orchestrating your life as he wills. You can still have this, this quiet confidence where you know that what is happening to you, no matter what, God is going to work it together for your good. And the word of God says that, that God takes all these things and he works them together for our good. He's all about our good. He's even more about our good than he is our happiness. That's why sometimes bad things happen to good people because God is more concerned with your good than you walking around being happy. Think about it. It's just like with your children. If I give Peyton cake every day, he's going to be happy. But that's not for his good. Do you understand? So everything may not be cake and rice cakes or whatever. Why well, I said rice cakes, I don't know why I said that. But, um, but every day may not be that. Do you understand? And so God, that's why God 
that's why God allows things to happen to us. He allowed circumstances to happen because he's building our character. He's all about building our character and creating a godly, godly character to look like Jesus. So again, Hebrews 4 and 3, kinda, it kind of follows up on that. The first part, it says, For only he, only we who believe can enter his rest. Only we who believe, it's saying we can have that rest. And that's, that's a promise. We can enter his rest. Now, if I'm going to enter a room, how will I do that? I have to get up. If I'm going to sit there and enter that hallway, I have to get up and walk into it. I have to make up my mind that I'm going to enter into the room. I'm not just going to magically transport there. So, so in the same way with this rest that I'm talking about, this joy that I'm talking about, it's something that you have to make up your mind and purposely enter into. You have to allow it to wash over you in your life. Now, there are a couple of things that can really hinder this joy. There, there are several things that can really hinder this joy. But to me, I believe that one of the biggest hindrances and one of the biggest uh, joy stealers, I guess you could say, is um, when we begin to walk and we begin to work in our flesh. And I'm just going to take a story, uh, the story of Abraham and Sarah. You can turn with me if you want. I'm not sure what translation this is. I'm pretty sure it's New Living Translation. Oh, no one's even doing it, are they? Okay. Uh, It's Genesis 15, (laughs) verse 1 through 6. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer... Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. Again, verse 2 says, But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have an heir to leave them to, when I don't even have a son? What good is it? It's pretty clear that Abraham wanted a son more than he wanted anything else. That was like the desire of his heart. That was like the premier desire of his heart was to have a son. So what is it for you? For him, it was a son. Do you have a ministry dream? Do you have, is it a marriage? A husband? A, jo- a new job? A better paying job? I mean, what is it for you? That we all have something. We all have a dream. We all have something that we, you know, are believing for our promise. And so put that, we're going to insert that instead of, instead of, you know, Abraham's son, insert that, parallel that in your life and, and, and whatever it is that your dream is, whatever your promise is, it may be healing, whatever it may be. Um, let's, let's just focus on that topic. And so I'm going to ask you the question, when Hebrews 4 and 3 says, are you resting in it? I mean, when it says that we can enter into the rest, so are you resting in it? Or are you wrestling in it? In Genesis 16, 3 and 4, we're going to find where Sarah grew restless. And this was Abraham's wife. 
Now, mind you, if you don't know the story, I'm sure you all do, but they were old, super old, not just old, like 90, 100. They were really old when they got this promise, okay? Um, so, for one, it's, it, it, they needed a miracle. It wasn't just necessarily like this promise, this thing that was going to happen. In order to like get their promise, it was going to have to be an absolute miracle of, of God. And so we're going to see here where Sarah, she began to work in her flesh. And that things starts get, getting kind of messed up here. Genesis 16, verses 3 and 4. It says, So Sarai, Abraham's wife, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram, Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant and treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. Do you see what happened there? God gave them a promise. And basically, in the promise, he says, she, Your wife, Sarah, is going to have a child. From her belly, she's going to be pregnant and she's going to have a child, okay? Well, Sarah, she grows restless. We all hate waiting. I hate waiting. Do you hate waiting? I mean, we were on our way to South Carolina and we were sitting in the airport in a restaurant. And we sat there like five minutes. It wasn't even really that long. And we were all kind of like, where is the waitress? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So even, I mean, it's we none of us really like waiting. It's just the truth. Um, so I think... Uh, Abram and Sarah were much like us. But she was so restless, she like she wasn't even thinking right. What woman? It proves she wasn't thinking right. Because who would give their handmaid to their husband to marry, to have relations? You know what I mean? That proves that she, she was really desperate, okay? She was desperate. That's why she did that, because she was desperate. She was like... He's never given me a child before, and I'm 90. I don't have a kid yet, so obviously this isn't going to happen. I'm going to try to work this out, okay? Think about that. Think about in our lives when we try to work things and make them happen, when we try to push doors open, right? When we try to, to push the promise, and the whole time God is like, just hang on. Just I'm, I'm trying to teach you something here, but... I promise when you do that, when you try to force things to happen and you try to make things happen, it's going to breed contempt. You, it, it says it right there. She began to treat her mistress, this was Hagar, was, began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. That's what, that's what Sarai's works did. It, it punched her in the face with strife and contempt. And, and so she was miserable. And then she blames Abram. This is your fault, Right? And so that tells us right there that obviously when we try to work things out ourselves, when we try to do it ourselves, we're basically delivering severe blows to our joy, okay? Because our works will never, never get us there. They're not going to get us there. And I just want to insert there, don't settle for less than what God has promised you. Because what, it, what, will, what will happen when you settle for less we're going to produce a counterfeit of what the real thing is. That's all it does. 
it'll produce a counterfeit. When we try to work it up, when we try to work up, even, even in our church, if we try to go about things the wrong way just to speed them up, just to get there faster, it's going to do us no good. We have to rest and we just have to believe that this is all happening in God's time. It's all God's way and it's all in his timing. And I, I'm just speculating, but could it be that Isaac might have been born sooner? If she wouldn't, do you think he might have been delayed? It could have been delayed because what Sarah did. He might have been born sooner. I mean, it's just speculation. It's something to think about. She worked out her own plan for her promise. And God is saying, listen, let me work out your plan for your promise. And you rest in it. You believe. And the Bible says that the Lord counted Abram as righteous because he just believed. He, he believed exactly what the Lord said. He's like, okay, you said it, I believe it, and I'm going to wait. And so here is a telltale sign. It's just kind of a little quiz you can do in your mind. How can you tell concerning your promise, concerning this, this joy that we're talking about, how can you tell if you're in the works of the flesh or not? It's when you start struggling to make things happen, and then you get frustrated because they're not happening, right? You're in the works of the flesh. When you're struggling to make things happen, to speed it up, and then you're frustrated and you're angry because it's not happening, it's not happening in your time, you're in the works of the flesh. Because the product of joy, the product of the spirit of joy, listen to this. In Genesis 17, 15 through 17, this is the Amplified. And God said to Abram, as, and this is him talking to him again after he's already promised he's, he's talking to him again. And God said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, You shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, or princess, her name shall be. And I will bless her and give you a son also by her. Yes, I will bless her, and she will be be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a son? And at that moment, that promise was beginning to look bleak because he, God had said it before, and now he's saying it again. He's telling him again. So, so the promise was looking bleak. It was looking impossible, like it's not going to happen. And what does Abraham, Abraham do? He falls on his face and laughs. That, to me, is just beautiful. And it was a laugh of faith. He was, like, laughing, like, wow, because he believed God. So he's saying, you know, a child being born of a man who's 100 years old. So instead of saying, well, God, you said it was going to happen, and why isn't it happening? I've been waiting. We've been waiting, and it's just not happening. Sarah ain't looking like no princess. She's 90 years old. Do you think she looks like a princess? And God's telling him, begin to call her a princess. Wow. You see what I'm saying? So God is saying, we too can laugh that laugh of faith, even in the midst of things not looking good, even in the midst of our waiting and being, it being drawn out and our promise being prolonged and prolonged and prolonged. Understand that when you have joy, you're resting, you're laughing, you're joyful, you're upbeat. You know, it's, it, that's what joy is. And so God is saying, just rest, rest in it. Quit wrestling. Quit trying to force things. Just rest. Just believe me, like Abram. Abram did. Romans 14, 4, I'm sorry, Romans 4, 18 through 20, says this. And this is the um, Amplified. For Abraham's human reasoning for hope had been gone. 
hope and faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead womb. Not only was Sarah 90, but she had been barren her whole life. It wasn't like she had some kids, got old, couldn't have kids anymore. She was barren her whole life. It wasn't like it just, you know, she was just, it was, she was just old, so she's not going to be having it, having children. And then he said, um, and then verse 20 says, no unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. No unbelief or distrust made him waver concerning this promise. I love this part. It says, but he grew strong. He grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Get your promise in your mind, what you're dreaming for, what you're waiting for. Put it in the forefront of your mind right now. When you think about it, you think about your waiting period, the time that it's, are you growing stronger when you think about it? When you process it in your mind, does the thought of it bring strength to you or do you feel weak? Do you feel weary? Process that. And so what Abram did, as he gave praise and glory to God, he was empowered. So first of all, you need to check your praise in your life. You just need to, if you're growing weaker, you obviously need to, to check that, that part of your life. Check your praise. Check, your, check your, uh, your time you spend with God. And then who are you giving the glory to? And when I say that... What are what is your mind? What is the center of your thoughts? You know, when you think about this, are you magnifying the time that you're having to wait on this? Because when you do, when you magnify the waiting time, you're going to get frustrated. Because God lives outside of time, outside of space. We live within time and we can't see. We don't it's it's so hard for us to comprehend that. But if we can just let that rest in our mind and say, "Okay, I'm going to magnify God above all." above this promise, this whatever I'm asking for, whatever I'm believing for, I am going to think of that, and I'm going to keep that in my mind, but I'm not going to magnify the waiting time. I'm going to magnify the fact that God is doing all things and working all things together for my good, and it will come. Check your mouth. What are you releasing over it? Are you releasing complaining? Are you releasing criticizing? Are you releasing death or life? Princess? Sarah, a princess? I mean, really, she was, she was 90. She, I'm sure she didn't look like a princess. I'm, I'm positive she didn't look like a princess. But what happened, he started releasing, hey, princess, princess. He started releasing good things, speaking those things that are not as though they were. He just started calling her that and started to believe. And, and the last is check your attitude. Check your attitude about it. Because your attitude could very well be what is delaying this thing from happening. Because, like I said before, God is about our good. He's about building good, godly character in us. The character of Jesus Christ. That's what he's about, okay? Good character. And so our attitude can hinder us because our character may not even be ready for this promise. He may still be developing character in us. If God was to throw a thousand people in here right now are we ready for it is our character ready for it if god was to promote you in your job maybe that's what you're asking for 
if he did it today, right now, you know, made you a CEO of some big, huge company, is your character ready for it? Do you just show up to work on time? Are you faithful? I mean, seriously, is your character ready for it? If this big, if this ministry dream you have right now, you know, if God was to step you into it right now, if you can really evaluate yourself and say, yeah, my character is ready for it, or no, it's not, understand that. And so if you have this attitude of what's well, not happening and you're getting frustrated and you're getting weak and you're broken, you're probably not strong enough for it yet. Your character's probably not ready for it yet. The last thing is if you want something so bad that you absolutely cannot be happy without it, if you can have no happiness without this thing, then it's gone from a good godly desire to a lust of your flesh. And I know that's kind of strong and it's kind of like, really? But a normal godly desire. See, Abram, I believe, could have never seen it. Could have never saw the promise and yet he would have still believed. He would have still had relationship with God. It wouldn't have broke him off from his relationship with God. And I promise if there's anything that's more important to you than God, he's not going to give it to you. If that ministry dream is more important than God, he's not going to give it to you. If your husband, a husband you're waiting for is more important than God, he's not going to give it to you. He's not. If, if, if growing a big church is more important to us than God, and you're like, wait, that is, you know, it seems like that would go together. He won't give it to us. He has to be absolutely number one. Number one. And so God will test your priorities. In Genesis 22, 1 and 3, now this is Abraham and, uh, and Sarah. Isaac's been born. They got their promise. She got pregnant. It happened, okay? He's been born. But just watch this. This is where God tests what's more important, the promise he was their promise, our God. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 3 says this. After these events, God tested and proved Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. God said, now take your son, your only son. It's like, thanks for rubbing that in my face, Lord. Whom you love and go to the region of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took his men and his son Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering and then began the trip to the place of which God had told him. Then say he was like, why God? You know, and he just did it. Okay. I think, and this is me, I believe you take someone who's 100 year old, years old and 90 years old and 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 they are in love, and they hadn't been able to have a child, and then they have one, they get their promise, I guarantee you Isaac was probably the center of Abraham's life. He probably had him wrapped around his finger. He, was, he probably just, oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine because how much I love my kids now. You know, getting that promise, I'm sure that he was, he was just, his, his world probably revolved around, um, around him. And that's, that's where God does not play games. He is, he tell, go offer this, your son, go offer this promise as a burnt offering. Kill him, sacrifice him to me. He tells him that. I can't imagine. That is like real, it shows that God is not playing games. He doesn't play games when it comes to our heart at all. The number one commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, have no other gods before him. So check, 
Has your promise become a God? Has your promise become a God to you? Has it become something that you desire more than anything else? And if it is, if it's something you desire more than even relationship with God, then it has become a God to you. This is how you can know what's more important to you, if, if God or the promise is. Ask yourself this question right now. You don't have to answer out loud. If I never get the promise, insert whatever you're believing for, can I still love God and be happy? Will I still serve him all the days of my life? How you answer that question, it will determine what's the most important thing. It will determine what's first in your life. It will determine where your priorities are. If you stay right where you are, you never receive what you're believing for. Not saying you're not going to. I'm saying it's, it's, that's a test. That's a test that will tell you what is most important. Will you get mad at God? Will you get angry with God? Turn your back on him if you don't get it. God wants us to have abundant blessings don't misunderstand that. He wants us to be blessed, and he wants us to just prosper in our lives. He wants us to have the desires of our heart. He wants that for us. But what's most important to God, most important to God, is that he has your heart. That everything you desire is him. That everything you want, the things you pray for, all these things, that it all revolves around relationship and being in love with God. And so ask yourself that, you know, if I never get this promise, if I never get it, if it never comes, am I still going to be happy? Am I still going to serve God? Am I going to be angry with him? And I'm just going to give you the opportunity right now to just pray. I have some more stuff, but I just feel like that God is wanting us to, to really just check ourselves and check our lives. It's really easy to, to take something and, and put it on the same level with God and not even realize that we're doing it. Not even realize like, that our ministry is not God. It's real easy to be legalistic about things, you know. Well, if I do this, then I'm going to get this. And if I do this, I'm going to get this. You have to understand that in God's time, it's, it's going to happen in his way. And that what will advance us, what will get us to that place, is when we trust him and we just rest in it. And it's through righteousness. It's through living. That's what it says. It said that God counted Abraham as righteous. And he counted him righteous because he just believed God. He just was like, okay, God, I believe you. I trust you. And so I don't know how many of you are here that Sunday morning, but when Pastor did the illustration of the knives and he pulled these knives up, he had Stephen stand with a blindfold on and he had this, this uh, styrofoam thing and he had knives like blade up pointing, you know, out of it. And he looked at him and he was like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And he kind of pushed him back or he fell back or whatever. And he, during the time where he was asking all that, Danny come behind and had this big blow-up mattress and switched it. But Stephen didn't know that he switched it. But he just trusted. He knew that his dad wasn't going to murder him on a Sunday morning in the church service in front of like 90 people. And so he, 
he said, okay, I'm just going to let go. And I just encourage you today, I encourage you tonight to let that become a resolution. Let that release happen in you. You know, because if you're going to struggle and you're going to wrestle with it, it's just going to delay it. It's going to keep you frustrated. It's going to keep you in turmoil and in strife. God will fulfill his promise. If he's given you a promise, and if it's his promise for your life, he's going to fulfill it. It's going to happen. But God wants us to enter in that rest. And when you think about a fruit, if you think about where does a fruit come from, it comes from a seed. Okay, when we receive the Holy Spirit, the seed of love, the seed of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those are all seeds that are implanted in us, okay? But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're fully developed, okay? Gifts, when God gives us gifts, those, those can, you know, can come sometimes developed. But a, but a seed is something that has to be developed. So understand that, that if it's not happening right now, if it's not happening in this moment, if it's not happening in your time, there is a reason for this thing. There is a reason for the delay. Now make sure you're not the reason for the delay. Make sure it's not, you know, your attitude or, or your lack of trust or you're beginning to waver in your belief. And, and check all that and get it right. And then just begin to wait again. Just know that God is working out your life. He's working out these things. And in all this, all this, what he's doing is he's developing this, the fruit of joy in your life. And when you step, if you step from this life into eternity and say it's a big ministry dream, say it's to fill stadiums, let's just go there. If it's to fill stadiums, if you step from this life into eternity, never having filled stadiums, but that was your promise and that was what you were believing for, but yet the whole time you believed God, you trusted him, you spoke life, you waited and waited and waited, and you didn't waver. Do you think you're going to get in front of the throne of God and he's going to be like, it didn't happen, I'm mad at you, you can't come to heaven, <laughs> you know? No, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You trusted me, you trusted me. And I promise, filling stadiums, I mean, when you get to heaven, you're not even going to care whether you filled stadiums or not. You're going to, you know what I'm saying? If, you, if, it's, if, it's something, if it's something else you're waiting for, you know, if it's a husband or a boyfriend or whatever, if you step from this life into eternity, never having received your promotion on your job or whatever, understand that the currency of heaven, what's going to matter there is how we lived, what happened inside this not what happened on the outside. It's going to be what happened inside of us, how we lived, how we trusted God. That's why how we're laying up our treasures in heaven. We're laying up treasures every day that you decide to believe and you decide to trust God. You're laying up treasures in heaven. And so when you get there, and, I, and don't be discouraged. Don't think, well, it's not going to happen. You just have to have the mindset that, God, if it doesn't happen, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to give it everything. If there were two people in here, that I was teaching to and not 12 or 15, however many, 20, I don't know how many there are. Do you know what I'm saying? Just, st I'm still going to give it everything. I'm still going to give it everything. I'm still going to completely sell out and give you everything. If it's not happening the way I think it should happen, if people aren't reacting to me like I think they should, like I want them to, I'm going to rest. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be frustrated. 
I'm just going to trust you and I'm going to rest. So if you will, just close your eyes. Jesus, we thank you tonight that you love us so much and that you are all about building godly character, that you're about our good. Lord, we understand that you delight in every detail of our life, that you watch us and you examine us and you memorize us and everything about us is your concern. There's nothing in our life that you take lightly. Lord, so let us not take lightly anything in our life. Search us. Search us, God, and, and reveal anything in our life that may be hindering us in joy. God, I pray you would release a joy and even a spirit of of the bubbly kind of joy over your people as like Abraham when he fell on his face and laughed. Lord, I pray you would release smiles, true smiles upon your people. Release hearts that are so excited about you and excited about their salvation and excited about where they are going to spend eternity. I pray, God, that we would be excited about each other Lord, I pray that any spirit of criticalness or, Lord, gossip or judgment, Lord, God, just remove it as far, as far away from us as possible. Lord, let us be a people that when the world looks at us, they want what we have. Not when they look at us, that they look at us and say, well, they don't look very happy. Let us be a people that release joy and to the people around us. We pray that you would develop the fruits in our life and that you would bring it to the fullness of what your will is for our life. I pray, God, that we would learn to walk in the Spirit as you have called us to, that we would put away our flesh, we would crucify our flesh, and we would operate from your Holy Spirit. Lord, become our everything. Become our greatest desire. Become the dream of our life is close fellowship with you. More than anything else, let the dream and the desire of our life be close fellowship with you, God. Lord, I pray as we leave this place that the seed that's been planted, use it however you want to use it and grow it however you want to grow it, God. And let your people take it and let them learn and let them grow. Let us give you glory in our life every day from the minor, minute, daily activities, God, to the big things. Let us give you glory. We love you, God, and we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for Jesus willingly coming and sacrificing his life and bleeding and dying for us. So we acknowledge that, and we acknowledge the cross today, and we thank you for the cross. And all these things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.